Hey everybody, welcome to Swerve Church. So glad that you are joining us today, especially while we're in the middle of this series called At The Movies. It's a series that we do every single summer. It's one of my personal uh, ones to prepare and to deliver and to enjoy, where we look at some of the most popular movies, some recent movies. Maybe we'll look at an old movie, upcoming films and trailers. And we try to connect the dots between the narrative of the story of, of the movie and we try to connect that to some scriptural and biblical truths. We try to draw out the gospel from some of the stories. Everybody loves a good story and sometimes when we watch these films, you're able to see some gospel narratives and draw that out. It's just a fun and creative way for us to be able to study the Bible and hopefully bring to light some of the biblical truths uh, that we may already know or maybe you don't know just yet and you're able to learn uh, from this creative way of portraying the message. Today we're looking at a movie called Soul. Soul. Now, if you're asking yourself the question like, what is this movie? I haven't heard about it. I've never seen it. It's because it's yet to be released. It was supposed to be released earlier uh, this year, but with the pandemic and everything going on in the world, they decided to delay it supposedly till fall 2020, but we'll have to wait and see. But as you can see uh, from the synopsis of, of, uh, of the movie and also from the trailer, it's quite an amazing film unlike anything. It's from the creators of Disney Pixar's Inside Out. And what it does is it, it follows the life of a middle school teacher uh, who is about to hit the break of a lifetime. He auditions uh, and gets the role of being able to perform at one of the city's most popular jazz clubs. He's going to have the opportunity of a lifetime. This might just be his opportunity to become discovered and become known as a famous jazz musician. Uh, well, as luck would have it, he's uh, walking out of, the, uh, out of his audition, excited about the new chance and the new uh, role that's going to be a deal breaker in his life, and he has a misstep. And unfortunately, he goes into eternity. He enters eternity. Uh, uh, and and the, the, nor the narrative of the movie uh, tracks his journey uh, after. I, mean, I thought it was interesting that Disney uh, would put out a film like this that uh, essentially tracks uh, the qu an answer, tries to answer the question, what happens after this life, or even a little bit more profound, a little bit deeper, before this life. You know, in the movie, in the trailer, you can see he talks about where people get their characteristics and their personalities from uh, before life. And it's interesting to me that Disney would tackle this question and, and deal uh, with the afterlife. I think that's because uh, what's on uh, the hearts and the minds of so many people uh, is that what happens after this life? I think that's an existential question that many people have and many people face is, is there an afterlife? Is there something after this life? You know, there's so many different uh, upbringings, there's so many beliefs and thought systems about what is to come and what is eternity. Some people believe that there's no eternity at all. And after this life, after we die, you know, it, that's it. We, we live our life now, we live whatever we have, and once we're dead, our bones and bodies become ashes and dust, and then that's it. There's nothing after this life. Other people believe that there's some sort of uh, like a reincarnation process that happens where essentially the body dies, but the soul continues to live on. And, uh, and some people even believe that if you live a good life, then when you reincarnate, when your soul returns to another body, uh, perhaps you come back as, as wealthier, uh, more prosperous, um, more uh, famous or, or whatever. Other people believe that if you lived a bad life, then when you reincarnate, you come back as a bug or uh, I don't know, as, 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 uh, as an ant or a cockroach or something. And this is the thought process that many people believe as well. Uh, some people believe that, you know, after this life, there's just heaven. It's just utopia after this life. Uh, there's, 
uh, just eternity forever and everything is fine everything is good there is no hell there's no a punishment there's no consequences for our actions there's just heaven you know there's lots of questions when it comes to eternity and afterlife and what happens after this uh, but fortunately for us as followers of Jesus and as readers of God's Word of the Bible you know those many of those questions are answered for us in the scriptures and so we don't have to go about our lives you know having the questions unanswered we know what's been revealed to us according to the Bible now I, I know that this is a uh, profound topic and I'm not going to answer every single question that you have in a 15 or 20 minute message on a, a Sunday morning or afternoon or whatever. You know, maybe we can do a greater series about this. We can do a longer series and really look in depth what the Bible has to say about heaven, hell, and the afterlife and, and what is to come. And if that's something that you guys would like to talk about or have a discussion on and, or a sermon series on and study a little bit more from the Bible, then let me know in the comments. And maybe that's something that we can do in the near future. But for the rest of our time, because uh, Disney Pixar opened up this can of worms uh, with this trailer for us today, I want to look at what the Bible has to say about heaven, about eternity, uh, in a nutshell, just summarize it for us, just whet our appetite for what the Bible says about what is to come. And we just have four simple points that we're going to go through today. So without further ado, if you're ready, number one is this. You can write this down if you're taking notes. And that is that life is short. Life is short, but eternity is forever. Life is short, but eternity is forever. You know, it's been my experience that so often we are so caught up in the here and now. We're just so caught up on what we experience and what we see around us, on the world around us, and what we experience and what we see and what we can buy and what we can touch. We're just so caught up in the here and now uh, that essentially we pay no mind at all on what is to come, on what happens after this life. You know, and this was the same, uh, uh, the same was true for Jesus' audience when he walked the earth. Many people were so caught up in the here and now on acquiring riches, on obtaining more stuff. And so Jesus actually directly addressed this. And he did this in the form of a parable. Jesus was an amazing uh, a communicator and storyteller. And he would often use parables to communicate a deep truths. A parable is essentially a story that teaches us a profound lesson. And Jesus would use parables to communicate to his audience. And in this parable, he talks about a rich fool. And what he says essentially is that there was this rich fool who had a very successful business. He owned a big house, probably had, uh, you know, multiple hump camel to get around, right? The best Gucci sandals that money could buy. Had riches, diamond rings. He had everything that you could ever want. He had so much stuff that his house is packed to the brim with all his riches, with all his wealth, with all his stuff. He was rich and he had a very deep issue. He had a very big problem. And the problem for this rich fool was that he had no more space for all his stuff. You see, sadly, he had acquired so much riches. He had acquired so much health that he ran out of space to put all his stuff. And so his thought process was that he would tear down his storehouses and build bigger and better storehouses so that he can acquire more stuff and fill that stuff and sip a cup of tea and lavish in his riches. And this is the story that Jesus is telling to his friends and to his, uh, to his audience uh, in his day. He's communicating this thing. But he goes on to say this, that God would confront the rich fool uh, sitting on top of a pile, uh, a pile of gold or whatever, uh, smoking a cigar, enjoying his riches. And God approaches him and says this. We pick up the story in Luke chapter 12, verse 20 and 21. But God said to him, you fool! This very night, your life is demanded of you. 
And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? Because you can't bring them with you to the grave. Verse 21 says, that's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Look at the dichotomy. Look at the comparison. That is how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. How often are we like the rich fool in this parable? Now, I know what you're thinking. Like, Danny, I'm not rich. I wish I was like the rich fool. I wish I had all that stuff. I wish that was my problem. But even if you're not rich, how often do we spend so much of our energy, so much of our time, so much stress and anxiety about worrying about how we can get more stuff, on how we can acquire more money, on how we wish we had the bigger home, even if you can't afford it? How much energy, how much time, how much effort do we stay daydreaming about what we wish we had? The bigger house, the bigger rooms, the, the nicer car, the greater vehicles, the more money. So much time, we, we expend so much energy thinking about the things that we wish we had. We're just like the rich fool, wanting to build bigger storehouses and store more stuff. And we're, we're rich towards ourselves and acquiring the things that we want and the things that we like, and we end up rejecting being rich towards God, is what Jesus is saying here. And what, what, be, what that means, being rich towards God, means investing in what matters the most. You see, the rich fool in the story had great investments. He was an amazing businessman. He had, you know, 401ks. He had invested his money in the stock market and it was making a huge return on his interest. He was making tons of money. But he hadn't invested where it mattered the most, his relationship with God in spiritual matters. And so often we invest our energy and our monies in things that don't really matter or things that we won't have for the long term, for eternity. And what Jesus is saying is that we ought to invest in what truly matters in being rich towards God, investing in what really matters, our relationship with God. You know, I once heard a preacher kind of explain it this way. Uh, he, he was in a big auditorium and he was uh, sharing, you know, a, a, a message, a sermon or whatever. And he had a rope. He was holding a rope in his hand, but it wasn't any ordinary rope. The rope wrapped around the entire auditorium. It was thousands of people in this huge venue. Uh, holding tons of people, and they had the rope wrapped down his hands, uh, you know, across the stage, all the way around the auditorium. And on the end of the rope, the rope that he was holding, the end that he was holding, he painted the tip of the rope red. And he said that this rope represented all eternity. And, and, and the end of the rope that he painted red represented our life here on earth. And what he challenged the audience, and what I'm challenging each and every single one of us today, what he challenged the audience was saying, so often we expound so much energy, time, and we live for the red tip of the rope. And we ignore the eternity that we have to come, that we're going to spend. That, that if what we preach and teach is true, that if the Bible, what the Bible says is true, then we're going to live all eternity in heaven forever with God the Father in the arms of Jesus Christ. But we expound so much energy and we focus all our energy, all our time, all our resources, all our stress, all our anxiety, all our emotions on the here and now, on what we see before us. And we neglect the eternity that is to come. I like to illustrate it this way, uh, and especially it might make a little bit more sense by these digital me mediums. Look at the picture that you see on the screen right now. Imagine that the white image that you see before you is all of eternity. It's everything that we have. Now, if you look closely in the middle, you might have to squint your eyes. You might need to bring your phones really close to your face 
But there's a little dot there in the corner, in the middle of the image. You see it there. It's tiny. You probably almost can't even see it. Because you see that dot is representative of the here and now. It's representative of our momentary time here on earth. And the white image represents all of eternity. But yet so often we're focused on the small dot that we reject or neglect to focus on and invest in the things that really matter, the things that we bring us after this life is over. Are you living in light of eternity? Are you investing in what matters most? Are you focusing all your energy on your relationship with God and on the spiritual things that matter the most? Because at the end of the day, what the author of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon said, is that life is just but a vapor. It's but a wind. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. And what we consider so major and so, uh, so uh, important now, the things that we want to live for and invest into, and even the pains and the struggles that we feel now, is just but a blip in history Com in comparison to all of eternity. Are we living in light of eternity? Well, we should, because number two in your notes is this, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And this is exactly what Paul says in the book of Philippians. He teaches this. He says this in verse uh, 20 and 21 of chapter 3. Our citizenship is where? Our citizenship is in heaven. It's not in the U.S. It's not in New York City. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, what he's saying is that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He came, He died, He resurrected, He gave us forgiveness of sin and newness of life, and He ascended into heaven. And guess what? He's coming back one day. And verse 21 says, He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject everything to Himself. You see, our citizenship is in heaven, and what that means that is that we have a greater kingdom to live for. There's a greater citizenship. There's a greater citizenship. What it means that, that, you know, in order for us to have a citizenship in heaven, it means that we serve a greater king. It means that we submit to a greater king, greater than any earthly king, greater than any earthly ruler, greater than any earthly president. We serve and we submit to a greater king. It means that we have loyalty to a kingdom and to a king that supersedes our loyalty to the, any earthly kingdoms, to any earthly governments or presidencies. Uh, citizenship, ultimately, not, not that we're, we're not subject to the ultimate results in heaven. That is the result of our citizenship to the kingdom of heaven is that we're not subject to, to the sins of this world. We're not subject to the consequences of our sins in a world. But because Jesus Christ lived, died, and, and conquered the grave, He's going to return and instead He's going to transform our bodies like His. And what that means is that when, when our bodies are transformed, we will have no more pain. There will be no more suffering. Suffering. There will be no more cancer. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more headaches. There will be no more death. There will be no more pandemics. There will be no more starvation or toothaches or, or morning sickness or, or back pain. There'll be no more of that because our bodies will be transformed. We have the promise of Jesus returning. And eternity in heaven means the wasting away of this earthly body, but inheriting a new body. Having a body that will no longer experience it. The Bible says there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more pain. 
And a citizenship also is what it actually means. To be a citizen means that we inherit the rights and the protection of, our, of that nation. To become a citizen of a nation means you inherit the rights and you inherit protection. And as a citizen of heaven, we have the, the curse of sin is broken on us. The, the sin that, that holds us bondage, the sin that, 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 that threatens us to separate us from God forever, that, that sin is broken. And we no longer are bondage to the curse of sin. Instead, for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, for those who submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we can experience the forgiveness of sin. We have new life. The Bible says we are a new creation and we have the promise of spending all eternity with our Heavenly Father. Do you see yourself as living for and submitting to and serving a greater nation and a greater kingdom? Do you see yourself as a citizen of a greater kingdom? Or are you too busy caught up right now in what you see around us and living for the world's systems and the world's structures? You know, so often I see it so unfortunate all over my Facebook feed um, that, you know, that I see people that are just so caught up in the world's systems and the world's structures and the world's politics and they're caught up living in the world's kingdoms and they're losing sight of a greater kingdom and a greater king that we ought to submit to and live for and serve. And how do we get there? How do we inherit this? How do we get to a place where we're going to have the promise of living in all eternity away from pain, away from fear, away from tears. How do we get there? I'm so glad you asked. Number three, and it's this. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to heaven. And it's so important for us to understand this right here. Because there are very many teachings, there are a lot of different teachings that teach otherwise to this thing. A very popular thought is that all roads lead to the same place. And it's unfortunate that I've heard this Oh, many times, I've even heard this from Christians that essentially say that all roads lead to the same place. So there's different religions, there's different beliefs, there's different gods, but at the end of the day, all religions teach the same thing, and that is that if you're basically a good person, you'll get to heaven. You know, some people have said it by using this story or using a parable like this that describes uh, several different blind men that are all approaching an elephant trying to figure out what an elephant is. And in the story, they say that the, you know, one blind man touches the tusk of the elephant. And he says, oh man, I know what an elephant is. An elephant is like a spear. Uh, another one touches the side of the elephant. And he says, no way, you know, an elephant is like a wall. Another person, another blind man grabs the tail of the elephant and says, you, you both are wrong. An elephant is basically like a rope. Another one hugs the leg of the elephant and says, all, all three of you got this all mixed up. You know, an elephant is basically a tree. It feels like a tree. It's, it, it is a tree. And many people describe uh, what many, all these different, you know, the, the blind men are representative of different religions, all trying to attempt to seek the same thing and having different perspectives and seeing the elephant uh, and, and seeing and, and viewing the elephant as different things. The, the, the problem is that there's a couple different wrong, there's a couple things wrong uh, with this story, first of all, the elephant is an elephant. It's not a spear. An elephant is not a spear. It's not a, an elephant is not a rope. An elephant is not a tree. It's not a wall. And so the four men are wrong in claiming that the elephant is any of those things. And so the parable is wrong in making that understanding or that assumption. The other thing wrong with this parable is that the elephant can't talk. Because the ele if the elephant could speak, it would shout to the blind men and say, 
I am not any of those things. I am an elephant. You see, guys, each worldview, each religion makes a truth claim. And if one truth claim contradicts another truth claim, they can't all be right. Because it's making a particular statement about what they believe. And this is true about Christianity and every other world religion. One religion statement automatically negates another one's. And this is true of, true of even of Christianity. If they all make these truth claims, they can't all be true at the same time. There can only be one truth. Cannot be multiple truths. Now, in the case of Christianity, in the case of Jesus, He didn't stay silent. He spoke up. He said something. And I want you guys to read these words with me. It's found in John chapter 14, verse 6. Would you read it out loud? Ready, go. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus makes an amazing truth claim. And he says that he is the only way. That there are no other gods. There are no other paths. There aren't multiple roads that lead to the same place. There's one door, one doorway, and his name is Jesus. And he says that he is the way. That he is the truth. And he is the life. And he made a way for us to be reconciled unto God the Father. That's the gospel. That's the good news, that Jesus Christ lived the perfect and sinless life. He died the death that you and I deserve because the wages of our sin was death. He died in our place. He picked up the bill and he died for you. He died for me so that in his perfect sacrifice, in his perfect death, we can experience the atonement of our sin so that our sin could be forgiven. And then he conquered Satan's sin and the grave. And he rose on the third day. And he ascended unto the Father. And he sits at the right hand of God, the Bible says. And he is interceding on our behalf so that we can be made new. So that we can have an abundant life. So that we can have forgiveness of sin and become a new creation. For those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, we're no longer bondage to our sin. But we are forgiven and we have the promise that we are made new and we can be in the presence of our Heavenly Father forever for those who put their faith in Jesus. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Jesus lived. He died. And He rose. And He reigns. And He's returning. And He's coming back. And how do we inherit eternal life? Jesus is the pathway. He is the door. Come to Him. And if you're here today and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, maybe you're confused and you have questions and you said, well, is there multiple paths to, to heaven? Are there multiple ways? Do all religions teach the same thing? No, they don't. Jesus said He is the way, the truth, and the life. And He proved His love for you in dying in your place, being the only sacrifice for your sin, and then giving you the promise in His life that you can spend eternity with Him. How do you have an inherit eternal life? How do you get to heaven? It's through Jesus. You have an opportunity to do that today. All you need to do is put your faith in Him. Now, if this is all true, if this is all true, how does that affect our here and now? You can write this down in your notes. Number four, we need to refocus our energies and renew our relationship with God. That's what you need to do. Refocus your energy and renew your relationship with God. 2 Peter says this, chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. But based on His promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. This is what we're all waiting for, for the, you know, the, the calamity 
the disease, the sin-ridden world that we see right now will all be renewed, Jesus promised. And we're all waiting for that, for the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness will ultimately dwell, where goodness wins. God wins. Verse 14, Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, this is where we're all at. We're all waiting. We're waiting for the renewal of all things. What do you do while you wait? Make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in His sight at peace. At peace with God. At peace with others. So what do we do while we wait? What do we do while we're waiting for all things to be renewed, for Jesus to return and to capture His church and bring us up with Him and to give us renewed bodies? What do we do while we wait? Well, we live in light of eternity. And living in light of eternity means that we refocus our energy so that we're not so caught up on the here and now. You see, too many of us are caught up on the temporary. We're caught up on the physical. We're caught up on, on, listen, not only the bigger, better, and more, which many of us are caught up on, but even on, on everything going on in the world with the temporary, the fleeting, the sickness, everything. We're just so caught up in that. And we're allowing that to dictate our emotions and dictate how we feel and even dictate our relationship with God. We need to refocus our energies off of the temporary, off of what's fleeting, off of what's erasing, off of what's disappearing, off of what's going away and focus on eternity, on what is to come. Focus on what really matters and invest into the things that really matter, things that you're going to bring with you long after this life is over. How do we live at peace with God? How do we live at peace with God? We live out our, you live at peace with God by living out your calling. By listening to God, by obeying what He tells you to do, listening to His voice and following His footsteps, investing in what really matters. What you do is you, you, you share, share the hope of the gospel. That's how you invest in what really matters. That's how you live for eternity. Share the hope of the gospel with your lost friends and family members. Share and show the love of God with, with your community, with your city. Share the gospel, share the hope of eternity with everyone around you. But Danny, what about tomorrow? What, what about what's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen to me tomorrow? Listen, don't worry about tomorrow because God has everything under control. God's got this. He has the whole world in His hands. Is your life in His hands? Because that's what really matters. And let me encourage you guys today. Because I know, I, I know that with everything going on in the world, we're hearing the news, we're hearing of explosions here, increased violence here, uh, you know, virus, school, is, is school going to open? Will kids go to school? Will I ever be able to return, you know, to my job and have a normal life? And I know there's lots to be worried about. I know there's lots to be thinking. But let me encourage you guys. God has not lost control. Jesus is still sitting on His throne and He continues to rule and reign. Refocus your energy from thinking about those things and onto what really matters, investing where it matters most, and living at peace with God. Let's pray. God, I want to begin today in prayer by pleading for forgiveness for my focusing on what is temporary. Lord, there is a, such a temptation to focus on the here and now and on what we see around us, whether it is searching for bigger, better, and more, or just so caught up on the negative news of the day uh, that we live uh, constantly in terror and fear, and, and, and we're not focusing on what matters most. Help us, God, 
to live in light of eternity. God, I thank you that our citizenship is in heaven. And I pray that our lives may reflect that, that we may submit to a greater kingdom, that we may serve a greater king and not be so caught up in this world's systems and structures and politics, that we may live loyal to you. Thank you for Jesus who made a way to reconcile us unto you. God, that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to die in our place and to get us away, to give us a way to be close to you and to be with you for all eternity. Help us to refocus and live at peace with you, with our lives, and to share the hope of the gospel with our friends, family members, and neighbors. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.